Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When you begin to play the I-itis kind of deal, what happens is it will drain your joy. You see, when I begin having self-pity, that means one thing. I've quit serving other people. One of the greatest things for destroying depression that isn't hormonally balanced is to get serving. Quit thinking about yourself. Just start serving. And we always find people a lot worse off than we are, don't we? Today, Pastor Mark reminds us that as believers, even though sometimes we don't understand what's happening in our lives, we need to have faith and trust in God. He says that often when we're depressed, it's because we're looking at ourselves for the solution instead of God. God will help you through the difficult times, but you have to do what he asks. Sometimes all that entails is shifting your inward focus back to him. Self-pity steals your joy. Listen in to learn how God's cure for this joy stealer is found in the truth of His Word. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19, verse 4, with his continuing study entitled, A Good Dose of Medicine. at verse 3. As a response of this, this message, this email he got, Elijah doesn't even wait to pack. Look at verse 3. Elijah was what? Afraid. Just by word afraid there, put fear. And, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. So now we see in this great prophet, fear. God had previously directed him God had been his source in the past that I don't even have time to go through tonight. He was a source of food at, with ravens and whatever. He did all kinds of miracles. And yet here, Elijah, he, he runs by sight, not by faith. When he faced the enemy and, and that fire was there, he operated totally out of faith. God, come down and just light this, light my fire. That's what he said. Burn it up. And it was totally by faith. But here, he gets this message from Jezebel. I'm going to get you, boy. And it'll be tomorrow. He's gone. You say, is that a bad thing? Yes, because God didn't tell him to go. He'd been directed all his life. Now he runs. Don't ever run from the enemy. And number two, don't run unless God says to run. The Bible says we're to stand. And after we've done everything else, we're just to stand some more. So he ran. Why did he run? Because of fear. That brings us to our next one. Fear and worry steal our joy. Fear and worry steal our joy. 
Think of tonight how many things we've worried about in the last few weeks that will never happen. And have we burned a lot of energy? Think about them. And if they do happen, what could we do about them? But we churn. We take the Pepsid, whatever. We just churn. We're worried. We're anxious. We're fearful. Sometimes you ladies are a little overly suspicious of your husbands. One day Adam had stayed out late just a couple nights. And Eve became suspicious and upset. She said, you're running around, Adam, with other women. (laughs) Adam says, that's unreasonable. You're the only woman on earth. (laughs) The quarrel ended and Adam went to sleep. He was awake in the middle of the night with somebody poking at his chest. He looked over and it was Eve. He says, Eve, what in the world are you doing? She says, counting your ribs. Come on, come on. All right, whatever. How many times does she want to count them? There ain't, there's nothing going to happen. Think about tonight. And, and we're all guilty. Think of all the things we've worried about. It's just drained the joy. Just foolish things that we've just worried about. And we couldn't do a thing about them if they even did come. 90% plus never even come, but we spend the time. And it just drains the joy out of our life. Listen to Proverbs 24. Just listen. 20 verse 24. A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his way? What Solomon says is this. If you and I know our lives are directed by God, even though we don't understand what's happening, we can simply have faith and trust in God. Because it's going to be all right. Now, I have to quit going. And you're going to see this in a minute. I have to quit going by my feelings. And I have to go by the faith. That God gives me in his word. That's hard. But that's where I have to go back to. You see, listen to Proverbs 14.30. Just listen. A heart at peace gives life to the body. Wow. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Look what Paul says. When I look at this one, sometimes I get bummed out. The first part of it says this. Do not be anxious about... (laughs) Read that again. Don't be anxious about how many things? That's hard. Is that hard? That's hard. Oh, no, Pastor Mark, I'm perfect. Let's go back to the thing about sin we talked about back over here. That's hard. Look at it. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your quest to God. So here's four little keys. Just write them down. Don't worry. Do pray. Do rejoice and relax. You say, well, why do you say relax? Don't worry. Do pray. Do rejoice. Relax. See, the disease is fear and anxiety. This is the cure. This is the medicine you're taking. It's a biblical. You say, well, why do I need to relax? Look at the next verse. Verse 7. And the peace of God. I added to it with great joy, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your, circle the word, your minds in Christ Jesus. So if you're anxious tonight, you're fearful tonight like he was, it drained his joy. It will head you toward a funky depression. 
Now, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. Now, when he came to himself, when he himself, excuse me, while he himself went on a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, Elijah, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Well, you see, we don't make fun of that because that's depression. That's true depression. People get like that. And he goes under this tree, and he, he, look what he says. I prayed that I might die. I had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. This brings us to our next one. Self-pity steals our joy. Self-pity. That's what Elijah was saying. Now, I mean, how bad did Elijah have it? Only one woman said something. And he wants to die. So it isn't really Jezebel. He's thinking of what who? Self. Notice, when we're not thinking God's thoughts, which he wasn't, the eyes will come out. The self always comes out. And we begin to focus on ourselves. I'm the only one. I've had enough. Here's what he's saying. I'm the only one, God. There's nobody else here. I'm the only one fighting the battles. Now she's against me. Just take me home. I've had enough. I'm the only one. When you begin to play the I-itis kind of deal, what happens is it will drain your joy. You see, when I begin having self-pity, that means one thing. I've quit serving other people. One of the greatest things for destroying depression that isn't hormonally balanced is to get serving. Quit thinking about yourself. Just start serving. And we always find people a lot worse off than we are, don't we? And we go, oh, I really feel about like this. And God says, come on, get serving. So you're going to see what he does to Elijah. Now, the battle is in the mind. Satan loves to attack our minds and emotions. The Bible says the way we think is the way we act. So that's why we study God's word. And you're going to see God come here and gently in a moment, he's going to bring, bring Elijah back from his thinking, which was totally away from God's word and obedience. He's going to refocus his mind. Now, look at 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Who was saying to Elijah, poor Elijah? Who was saying that? Satan was saying it to him. See, Satan's a liar. He's the father of lies. So he'll say to you and me, you can't make it. It's no good. Your job's going to end. That sickness, for sure you're dead. And a lady come to me tonight in this, in this fellowship and shared with him a miracle of cancer healing this and three or four other miracles. She was beaming. Praise God. You, you see, Satan wants just always to look and say, it's not going to happen. It's gonna, I mean, really. And, and, and let me come back to this statement. You've heard me say it if you come to this church at all. The worst thing that could ever, ever, ever happen to us is we die and go to heaven. Is that true? Now, we may not like the way we die. I wouldn't either. But I mean, the worst thing that can happen to us is that. So, see, we don't think right because we've gotten out of God's word and we've gone to emotions. So you have to go back to, and that's what God's really trying to say. He's going to say, come on, I'm going to, I'm going to straighten your, your mind up. I, I want you to think about this. If there's all those millions of people that are depressed all around us, not taking into Christians even effect, just all those people, if we can get the joy of the Lord right, can we have an impact on this world or what? Unbelievable as God ministers to us. Now look at verse 5. 
Then he lay under the tree, down under the tree, and fell asleep. At once the angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank, then lay down again. In this funky depression, going against God, totally disobedient, notice what God shows him. Grace. Grace. Write this down. Grace, physical rest, and food are some of God's natural antidepressants. Grace. Rest. I knew some of you like this one. And food are some of God's natural antidepressants. If you were God, what would you have said to Elijah? Here's what most of us said. Now, Elijah, get up by your bootstrap. Boy, I'm going to help you right now. (laughs) But Elijah couldn't get up. He was depressed. So God sends an angel, bakes him a little angel food cake and some water from heaven, right? And he refreshes him. That's our God tonight. See, that's the God you and I have to be representing. That's the God. It's not the God that's beat. What's wrong with you, Elijah? What is wrong with you? I won't have time to even touch this one tonight. But legalism kills joy. You get into this legalistic junk, you'll just read the book of Galatians. We got 40-some tapes on it. Get free. Now, verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Oreb, the mountain of God. There's the grace again. Now, notice something you'll see in a moment. He should have been refreshed, ready to listen to what God said, but he goes on running from God. After that, look at verse 19. Then he went into a cave, spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. And I want you to notice something in this wording. What are you doing? Circle the word here. When Elijah, 40 days later, got to the cave, who was waiting God was waiting. Notice what God says. What are you doing here? He he was waiting for who? Elijah. So you can't outrun God. You can't go. Where where can you go from his presence? So Elijah gets there. He wants to get in this funky mood and stay in this funky mood. And God's there. He's there right in front of him. He's there. Look at verse 11. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. In other words, Elijah, quit looking at yourself. Get your eyes on God. That's a great key tonight. Often when we're depressed, we're looking at ourselves, not God. So he says, Elijah, come, come to the entrance of this mountain here. Get out of the cave, that depressed, dark place. Come outside. God's going to pass by. Take your eyes off the cave and watch God. You say, well, I don't want to watch God. And God says, come out anyway. See, we have to obey. God will help us through those difficult, depressed times, but we have to do what God asks us to do. Look what he says. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
caused it, but it wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. You see what God was saying to Elijah. Elijah, you're used to me. Elijah, listen. You're used to me doing all the spectacular. The ravens coming by the place. The unending flour and oil. Raising the dead. The fire that had come from heaven. Elijah... I'm going to show you where I usually am. Look what he does at the end. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, or New King James or whatever, a still, small voice. What is he saying? He's saying to Elijah, get out of the darkness of your wrong thinking. Come outside. Put your focus on God and the Word. Come out into the light of God's Word. And in that still, small Voice. After that incredible noise, earthquake, fire, mountain splitting, God says, Elijah, I'm your answer. I'll be what you need. Quit fearing. Quit thinking about yourself. Quit thinking wrong. Listen to my word. Now, where does God love to speak to us? In a still, small voice. It's in our quiet time. But often we're so busy. We can't even take 10 minutes to say, let me read this passage. God, speak to me. And in that 10 minutes, at the start of a day, change the whole day. The funky depression goes. God says, I'll be with you today. Because his word is the thing that changes us. This never, ever goes out of date. It's fresh. It's fresh. So he says to Elijah, come on, get refocused. Now, just write this down. God's spiritual cure for joy stealers is the truth of his word. Is the truth of his word. Look at verse 15. I love it. Look what God says to Elijah. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. So what God is going to do, and I won't go on with it except for one more verse I want you to look at tonight. What he's saying to him is this, Elijah, your your thinking caps better. You're straightened in in what you're looking at now. Life is to be lived only in, in me, in my word. Get off that funky stuff of thinking about yourself. Quit being anxious. It's okay. I'm going to be with you. I've been with you before. I'm going to be with you in the future. Now, now that you're better, get back to work. He says, come on. Because all that time that he wasn't doing anything, the work of God in his life only was at halt. And that's why Satan also likes this to get into these funky areas. Because not only are we drained, but we're useless because we don't have the joy of the Lord. So God just says to him, Elijah, okay, straighten up. Here you go. I fed you. I've been kind to you. I spoke the word. I did a great show for you. Now, I'm with you. Back to work. And Elijah goes. But I want you to see one more thing. I want you to see the humor that God has. Look at the humor. God has a great sense of humor. Look at verse 18. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed down to Baal 
and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Do you remember before Elijah said this? God, I'm the only one that's a Christian in the whole world. And look what God says here. Elijah, you're right. You are the only one. I came to get you. I came 40 days to get you. Because the kingdom of God has stopped. Because of you. My hands are tied. I haven't been able to do anything. Because you're the only Christian on the earth. You say, is God really... I I know he laughed when he said this. Notice what he says here. Uh, Elijah... Only one, eh? There's 7,000 more that have been full on get back to work. Isn't God amazing? Do you and I think because we're funky that God's work isn't going on? Not a chance. So all God's trying to say is here, Elijah, you're going to get back on track. God spoke to him quietly. Do you know today that anything that's in your life that has stolen your joy, God can do it just like Elijah. He can restore your joy. If you choose to let him, if you obey his word, you can't go by feelings. You've got to go by his word. And if you'll just put your hope, if you'll put your hope in God. And I want you to see this verse. Take a look at this verse. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you so disturbed with me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You see, what God says is this. If it's a sin area, you confess it. Joy will be renewed. If it's an anger area, just quit worrying. Don't worry. Be happy. That's what we read. I don't know that I can make it. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that, who began a good work in you, will carry on to completion. It's going to happen. Well, is God really for me? Romans says he is really for you. He's not against you. He is for you. Now, let's get our eyes off our circumstances. Let's get them back on God. Listen to me very closely. There was an article in U.S. News and World Report, huge article about happiness. Listen to what this article says, and I quote, Decades of studying depression have helped millions become less sad, but not necessarily more happy. When you alleviate depression... This is incredible. Listen, when you alleviate depression, the best you can ever get is to zero. Now, what does that mean? See, depression takes us below here. It just takes us down. And it says here, with antidepressants and and treatment and whatever, without the Lord, the best you can ever get is to zero. Well, who wants to be at zero? Here's the last statement you need to see. Real joy is only found in a real relationship with Jesus Christ. So we just learned that grace, physical rest, and food are some of God's natural antidepressants. Pastor Mark reminded us that depression comes in many forms. And while some need a medicinal solution, most need a spiritual one. From Pastor Mark's teaching, we can all agree that any variety, whether clinical or self-induced, can benefit from a good dose of God's medicine. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. 
In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Keep your Bibles handy because next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will be asking the question, what's the most important thing you own? Now, if you've started a mental checklist of your possessions, you can stop right there because this asset isn't tangible. Be sure to tune in to hear what your answer should be, which of course can only be found through the diligent study and application of God's Word. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Here